you are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. There is something about singing songs, music, and, and music is a gift from God. It's a powerful medium, right? There's a reason why we, we love music, uh, but there's an intent behind God's creation of music, and, and, and it helps us, and it encourages us. And one of the most obvious things it does is that music, because of its uh, rhythm, rhyme, intentionality, structure, it helps us to remember things, right? We remember things because of music. And so one of the first songs you ever learned, remember? A, B, C, D, E. Maybe you're like, I, I didn't get to that element of E. I don't know what that is, but right? Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing them with me, right? And then we go. This is how you learn. Some of you, the only reason you know the alphabet is because of that song, right? That's how you learned it. Because music helps us to remember. It, it teaches us. Some of us are old enough to remember when you actually had to remember your friend's phone numbers. I mean, I had like 20, 30 phone numbers memorized. Just my, I still, to this day, I can remember my friend Ajay's phone number, 3378164. I haven't talked to him in 40 years. But we had to remember, right? It, it was something about that. And I don't even know, I, I don't even know my own kids' cell phone numbers. I don't know the church's phone number. Do you know the church's? I don't even know my, the church's phone number. But you know whose number I do know? I know Jenny's phone number. How many of you know Jenny's phone number? What is Jenny's phone number? Six. Three oh nine. That's exactly right. It is exactly right. You know Jenny's phone number. Now, if you're in, if you were born in, you know, the fifties, and maybe you don't know Jenny's phone number. Uh, but most of us who grew up in the seventies and eighties and maybe nineties, you know Jenny's phone number. Why? Because of the song. You got it. You got your, her number on the wall, right? As you, everyone knows Jenny's phone number. 8675309. Because music helps us to remember. And it teaches. And that's part of the intent. But it's not just something that's supposed to impact our minds. It's also created to stir our affections. It, there's an emotional piece to music. Right Before the days of Spotify and instant gratification of whatever songs you want to listen to, we listened to this thing called the radio. And some of you remember, you, you did it in high school. You called up that radio station, you waited on hold, and then you dedicated a song <laughs> to somebody. I want to, I want to, that song goes out to my, you know, and you, and you sat there for an hour and a half waiting with your fingers ready to hit play and record at the same time so that you could record that song, Right? You did it. How many of you did? I don't, let's, say, let's be honest. Some of you missing out in your childhood. I'm just telling you. I had a buddy in college. He would constantly be breaking up with his girlfriend. And you would know it when you walked in his room. And as soon as you walked in his room, he'd be playing, you know, Journey. It'd be like, I'm forever. I'd be like, oh, he broke up with her again. I, Chicago, Journey, R.O. Speedwagon. If that was on the, on the CD was in, you know it was a bad day. He broke up. Why? Because there's something about that music that it stirs emotions and enables us to process what's going on, right? And there's this song. This is why some of you, you have a playlist for, for exercise. And it's not the same music that they play at your dentist's office. It's not classical music. What is it? It's Guns N' Roses. It's Metallica. It's, you know, that's my playlist. Maybe it's not your survivor. You know, it's, you know, 
but it's, I need something, to, and I'm on mile three, I need something to get me going. I don't, I don't need, you know, Bach. I need journey, you know, uh, the wheel in the sky, man. I need something like that. That's what I need to get going because it stirs emotions and affections. That's part of its intent. It impacts your mind. It impacts your heart. And that should, because that's so, so powerful of a, a medium, it shouldn't surprise us then that literally one third of your Bible is poetry. Much of that songs, Right? Maybe that's a shock to some of you, but that's the way it is. Why? Because God knows he wants his people to impact their mind. He wants to stir their affections. So the scripture is filled with music and songs, right? To help us remember, to stir us up. So there's times in life when things great, you have a way to process that and express your thankfulness. And then when times are not great, when times are down, that you can find hope and comfort and even process that with truth. And so what we're going to do this summer, as many of you are in and out, we're going to spend some time looking at the songs of the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament Psalms. We're not going to cover all 150, so don't worry, but we are going to look at several this summer. Um, and, and we'll look at, and, and the Psalms is filled with, there's different types of Psalms, different all sorts of reasons. You have psalms of thanksgiving and of praise where you're thanking God for this. You have what's called royal psalms where you're singing about Messiah and the king. You have a, psalms of ascent, which they would sing as they're walking up to Jerusalem for the feast. You have lament, which is an important part of the psalms where things are not good and my enemies are against me and there's a way to, to process and, and think about that, right? All sorts of psalms. And we're gonna look at several different types this summer because we wanna infect our minds and we wanna stir up our hearts towards the things of God so that we live in light of who he is and what he has done, right? Because that's what he wants for us. And so where do we start? 150 Psalms. We start in the beginning, in Psalm 1. That's what we're gonna look at this morning. And if you don't know where the Psalms are in your Bible, just the easiest book in the Bible to find, except besides Genesis maybe, is just turn to the middle of your Bible and you'll be in the Psalms. Right in the middle, smack dab. Uh, and this is the song book. This is the hymnal of the Old Testament saints, right? Of the people of Israel that they would sing these songs and there would be a tune, sometimes you'll see at the beginning, to, this, to the tune of whatever or played on this instrument because this was their songs. The word psalm is just a Greek word that means song. So this is their songs. And this psalm specifically, I think is key to the Psalter. We're gonna look at a song today that talks about being happy, right? This is a song about how to be happy. That's a great place to start because everyone wants to be happy, right? That's, that's, that's what everyone's desire is, right? Because I'm happy, clap along if you, you know, you know that song, right? Everyone wants to be happy. Maybe you don't know that song. Um, maybe you need to listen to the radio more, some of y'all. Um, we live in a country, our founding documents say that we are endowed by our creator with certain rights, right? And one of those rights is what? The pursuit of happiness, right? So that's the, our founders established that from the beginning, that every, the acknowledgement of everyone wants to be happy. But here's the problem. You look at the statistics, you look at all the research, happiness is at an all-time low. I mean, I read all sorts of you know, statistics and journals this week where just in the last three years, even the last, last one I read was 2021, that happiness went from 31% of people were happy down to 19% of people in our country in 2021 were happy. That's one in five. And on the flip side, the use of antidepressants in our country is going up 15%, 12% every year. So even though we all want to be happy, and even though we have the right to pursue happiness, 
Yet it seems to be so elusive for some reason, right? And so we're gonna look at a song that'll hopefully teach us how do, how do we be happy? What, it, what, is, what does it mean to be happy? How can I be happy? And, and in this song, we're gonna see three keys. Each beginning, I kind of used a little alliteration, letter D. I promise I'm not turning into a Baptist. It just worked out that way. So, so for some of you who can't remember, three Ds to happiness, right? Let's start off. First one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The first word of the psalm is blessed or happy. It's the word for happy. In fact, it's emphatic in the original. It's, it's blessed or happy man, happy. Or oh, the happinesses. And it's actually plural. It's oh, the happinesses, which is not great English, but it's, it's good theology. Here's how to be happy. Here's where happiness resides. And if, you, if you're thinking, this sounds a little bit familiar, that's because we've, we just gave him out of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with what? Blessed is this, blessed, blessed, blessed. This is just another beatitude. Happy is the, the merciful. Happy, happy is the poor in spirit. It's the same idea. Here's how to be happy. And what's interesting is this. We, he jumps into the first one right here in this first one of the song and it's actually a negative, which we wouldn't think. Is, is the way you would start. But there's something right off the bat. If you're gonna be happy, you gotta deny something. That's where he's gonna go. Now he's gonna go positive next, but he starts with a negative. Look what he says. Blessed is the man or woman or child or person is the idea who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And there's a progression here where you walk, walking is the image, where you're taking a step. What's walking? It's just taking a step. There's a decision, there's a decision. I'm heading in a direction. Eventually I keep heading in a direction, then I'm in the, the way, I'm in a, the, the Hebrew word is derech, it means a road. You're on a road, you're on a path, right? You start walking in a direction, then you're getting on a path. Eventually you keep following that path, what do you get? You get to a destination, you get to a location, that's where you're sitting, and there's this progression here. Right? And what he's saying is, if you want happiness, you want to be happy, then you don't want to be on this road. You don't want to be walking in this direction. You don't want to be in that location. Right? What the song is ultimately teaching is there is a path, there is a road to happiness, but it's not just any road. Right? If, if you say, Bill, I want to go to Tybee after church, great. I'll tell you how to get there. There's only one road and it is a miserable road. But there's only one road. You say, well, I really want to get on I-95 and I-16. You can do that. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you can do that. But there's, if you get on I-16, there is no way you will ever end up at Tybee. You'll end up in the oasis of Macon or Dublin. That's about all there is on 16. But you will not get to Tybee. And what he's saying is there's a road and there's a road to happiness, but it's not just any road. If you're going to find it, you're going to have to deny things. Three things you're going to have to deny. Number one, you're going to have to deny bad advice. You're going to have to deny bad advice. Again, the verse, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel or the advice of the wicked. He says, you got to be very careful who you listen to. Who are you following? What are you listening to? 
Because we are constantly, we are being pummeled with voices. Voices from our friends, voices from our family, voices from work, voices from cable news, voices from Instagram, voices, 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 signs, signs, signs. You are getting pummeled with voices, right? And not just any voice leads to happiness. He says, don't listen, deny the, the advice of those who, of the wicked. Now we think wicked, we're like bad. This is bad people. This is Satan. This is, you know, Satan worshipers. Yes, but the word wicked in, in wisdom literature is just a reference to someone who lives pr- basically as a practical atheist, who lives in light of the fact that they're in charge. There's no moral absolutes. You, you, if you want it, do it. If it feels good, do it. You go with your gut, you know, follow your heart, you know, let your conscience be your guide. It's that mentality where truth is either pragmatic or relative. The idea is, is what is popular? What is everyone else doing? That's what he's talking about. He says, if you go with that, if you go with that, you will not be happy. And if we think about that, if we use our logic here, let's use our logic and let's use our brains. Everyone in the world pretty much is doing what they want. It's the book of Judges. Everyone does what's right in his own eyes. If it doesn't hurt anybody, it's fine, right? That's what they're doing. Yet only one in five in America is actually happy. So if everyone's doing what they want and almost no one is happy, we would think then that's not a good way to go. It's just logical, right? But see, what the culture is doing, it's, it's just pushing you in a direction. And it's, so it's saying things like, hey, you're dating, you might as well move in together. It's cheaper, right? And you gotta figure out if you really get along, right? You, you don't gotta buy a car without test driving it, so you might as well move in together. That's the logic. Okay. Right? But it's not what God's word says. It's the exact opposite. It's bad advice. Right? You, there's all sorts of bad advice, little steps, little counsel, little directions. Right? Everyone's doing it. You can't afford it. That's okay. The average credit card debt for Americans is like $7,900 a person. You can't afford it? Bahamas, here we come. We'll pay it off when we're 72. Right? This is what success looks like. You gotta look this way. You gotta be this. You gotta have this much money. You gotta be this popular. You gotta be this, this, or this. And people are crushing themselves trying to fit into that mold. They hate their jobs. They hate their life. They're depressed. They're anxious. But you know what? I'm smiling on Instagram. Like me. That's what success is. Is that what success is, really? Right? This is a gray area. You know, everyone does it. Everyone does it in this, in this business. Everyone just fudges the little numbers. Everyone, you know, cuts a little corner here. Everyone cheats a little bit, tells little white lies. It's what you have to do to get ahead. Is it? Right? Some of you have made choices where you were enslaved to things. Little choice, little choice, little choice, and now you're stuck. You're caught in it and you're stuck. Right? Some of you are on a path with partying, and being careless with your body and you're moving from destructive relationship to destructive relationship to destructive relationship, thinking I'll eventually get there, I'll eventually be happy. And you won't. And it's just little steps, little choice, little decision. You're on a path, not taking a God into account with your money and your career, your sexual ethic, whatever. Following the whole, well, everyone else is doing it or as long as I'm not hurting everybody, it's my life and it's not leading to happiness not leading to where we want it to go, right? And so we have to deny bad advice, but not just bad advice, we deny bad associations. 
right? He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. You continue to follow this advice, you're eventually gonna be on the road with these people. There's a progression. And you're gonna end up in that spot that we all did as a 14-year-old where we're standing before our parents and they say, if your friend told you to jump off her binge, would you do it? Yeah. Because that's what happens. And sadly, ironically, I read an article this week about an 18-year-old boy who jumped off a boat because he was dared to and he died. And you're like, how does that happen? Bad advice, bad association. You gotta be careful who you roll with. You gotta be careful who you go on vacation with, who you're constantly playing golf with, who you're constantly on the boat with. I tell all the young folks, my kids all the time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Period, end of story, have a nice day, right? You say, well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yes, and I'm not saying we shouldn't hang out with sinners, but we hang out with sinners. Uh, Jesus hung out with sinners to bring them up to him, not so that he would be like them. And the honest truth is, if we spend most of our time there, we are gonna be more like them. And so I, I encourage parents. I'm telling you, parents, you better know who your kid's friends are. Just telling you. Because you don't know what that, that family, did they have any kind of rules when it comes to phone, technology, whatever. I've had way too many conversations in Christian school, in Christian school with parents who are like, don't worry, we'll take the keys when they get here. I'm thinking, you, sir, are a moron. You're taking the keys, great. How about you parent and not let them drink at your house? How about that? I don't want you to take their keys. I want you to not let them get drunk at your house. That's the culture and it's in every Christian school and it's, you better know who your kids are with. I'm just telling you. Better know what's going on when your kids are at travel team this and they're hanging out with this person. I'm not saying they shouldn't do those things, but you better be engaged because with technology, our kids are being exposed to sin way, way early. And if peer pressure is hard for you as a 52-year-old, how is it for a 15-year-old boy whose brain ain't fully developed? Who still, if you just let him go, would just eat tricks for the rest of his life? You gotta be engaged. College students, I'm not down on fraternities and sororities. You wanna be a tri-lam or a tri-delt or a tri-whatever, go ahead. But I'm telling you this, you better be careful if you're gonna be moving into the whatever house, if all they do is drink and play video games all day long, what do you think's gonna happen to you? You're gonna end up drinking and playing video games and you're gonna lose the Hope Scholarship and your dad's gonna kill you. And he should. Because you will be like those who you roll with. I'm just telling you. Be careful who you date, singles. Well, he believes in God. Yeah, and so do the demons. You gonna date a demon? I, you, you gotta be cautious. And this is for all of us. Just ask yourself, your associations, do they bring you up or do they bring you down? Do they encourage you to love your wife more? Do they encourage you to, to work hard? To be honest? Right? Or do they, they encourage you to go the other way? You gotta be, you gotta be willing to deny bad associations. Because if you don't, you're gonna end up sitting in the seat of scoffers. And that's the last thing we gotta deny is bad activity, right? Deny bad advice, associations, and bad activity. He says, the end game here is you sit in the seat of a scoffer. The idea of sitting there is you're identifying with them and what they do. And now you're planning the next time you're gonna go out and do whatever it is that you do. 
And before you thought, no way I would do this. And now I'm in the middle of it. I'm like, how did I even get here? I'm identified with this. I'm celebrating this. I am calling evil good and good evil. What in the world? But that's what happens. That's what happens, right? It's a progression. And and can we acknowledge, because church has not been good about this. Let's just acknowledge, look, sin is pleasurable for a season. It is. We've always been like, Sin bad, God good, don't sin, love God. And we're like, yeah, but it, there's, there's a reality to the fact that sin has pleasure. It does. There is no doubt. But it's for a season. And the famous quote, you don't even know who said it, but that sin will take you further than you wanna go. It'll keep you longer than you wanna stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. It just will. That's the way it goes. And we need to get this this song into our mind that the key to happiness is not doing whatever we want and going with the flow because everyone's doing it and hardly anyone's happy, right? Hardly everyone is. And so before we move on to verse two and the second verse of the song, just be honest with yourself and ask, what road am I on? Where am I? Whose voice am I listening to? What, what truth am I clinging to? What seat am I sitting in, right? If you play the tape out five years, 10 years, six months, what are, where do you end up? What does this look like? If you continue down this path, what does it look like in 10 years? Because that's where you're headed. Because the encouragement is it's never too late to do a U-turn, not with the gospel. It's never too late to get off the road and get back on the right path. Never. That's the beauty of our God. That's why this is, this is chapter one, verse one. Happiness is this. It's deny associations and bad activity and bad advice. But that's the negative. What's the positive? Because there's gotta be a positive, right? The positive is there's something we delight in. There's something we deny, but there's also something we delight. But, here's a contrast, okay? Don't do this, but his delight, and the, and the word delight there is the word for pleasure, his pleasure, he's the original Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. His, my pleasure is what? It's in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The law of the Lord or, or God's word, you could say, the truth of God's word. But here's, here's what's interesting. When David is writing this, David is writing this psalm. The only law of God he has he didn't have Romans or Mark or 1 Corinthians. He's got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He's basically saying his delight is in Leviticus. How many of you can say, man, I love me some Leviticus? <laughs> man, don't boil my kid in goat's milk. Man, that's great stuff. I got that. Yeah. I, I, but that, that's what he's saying. My delight is in the law of the Lord. And we hear law and we hear orders, right? We hear, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And there's part of that. He's like, I don't, I don't get how that could bring me delight. I don't get how that could bring me pleasure. We forget, even in the Garden of Eden, the most pleasurable place that ever existed, there was a don't and a bunch of do's. Do this, do this, do this, don't do this. And that was perfect, no sin, right? Because there's something about structure that is actually good. But here's what's interesting. When you look at this phrase, the law of the Lord in the Psalms, it says a lot of things about the law of the Lord. Law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is good. 
The law of the Lord is pure. Psalm 119 says the law of the Lord is true. But when you, th- when you think, you know, I was listening to a preacher this week and it was super helpful to me. I never thought about this. By, by nature, a law is not true or false. It's kind of neutral, is it? If the speed limit is 65, that's the law. Is that true or false? It, well, it just is what it is. Is it good? I don't know. I think, the, I think it should be 80, but that's just me, right? So what does it mean the law is true? I mean, how can a law be true? Here's what it means. God is the creator of the universe, ordained how it works, knows how it works, and he designed it in a certain way. And so his law, his commands are meant so that you would live in this world that he created and that you would flourish. That his law is good because this is the way that it works. This is the way I created it. This is the way it's supposed to, because structure is good. And you go home today and you get on the road. If there's no structure, it's a mess. But you come out here and there's a stop sign. That is good. That's for your flourishing. There's an on-ramp. That's good. It's for your flourishing. There's a red light. It's good. It it protects you and it it, it brings the intent of what that's there to get you home safe. And so the idea is God has given his word so that you would flourish, right? So that you would flourish. So when he says that, that sexual intimacy is meant for the covenant of marriage, and that's what he says, it is very clear. You can debate me all day long tomorrow and you go, well, I don't know. It is very clear that he created sex and pleasure inside the covenant of marriage. That's what he has done. And it's not because God is down on pleasure. He's the one that invented it. But he says, this is where it flourishes. This is where it's safe in the context of covenant. Is it still pleasurable outside? Yes, but it'll also eat your lunch eventually. It'll also kick you in your teeth eventually if you play with it. This is where it flourishes. When he says, don't covet your neighbor's boat, house, spouse, kids, college degree, it's not because he's down on those things. It's because he knows if that's all you want, you're just gonna tear yourself up until you get it. And then when you finally do get it, if he finally do get it, you're gonna realize it's not that great. And your kids are gonna sell it on eBay one day. So he's trying to guard you from that. When he says, store up your treasure in heaven, it's because he knows everything's gonna burn. That your 2016 was so new in 2016. Now it's 2023 and it's old. It doesn't, it doesn't last. When he says, honor your father and mother, teenagers, he's not trying to keep you from having fun. What he's trying to do is teach you, if you can learn to put yourself under the authority of someone else, you can learn to flourish because guess what? You're always going to have someone over you. Even the president of the United States has his wife. (laughs) There's always an authority structure. And if you can learn to put yourself under authority, you can learn to flourish, which is why Paul says this is the first commandment with a a promise that it will go well with you because you can learn to follow and submit. And so it's for your good, it's for your flourishing. When he says work hard for six days, but take a day off, you need a Shabbat, you need a Sabbath. It's so that you will rest and recover so you can be effective. It's for your good, it's for your benefit. And I could go on and on and on. The point is this, God is creator. He knows what is good and he is for you. He's not against you. He's not like, I just want him to be miserable down there. So I'm gonna keep all the good things away from them. So he says, delight in God's word and meditate on it day and night. And this does not mean that you need to do a 24-hour quiet time. He who does the longest quiet time is the happiest. Not necessarily. 
You can read the Bible 24 hours a day, study theology 40 hours a week, and you can still be miserable. The idea is not, I just have the longest quiet time. That's not the idea. But that word meditate is an interesting word. The idea is you're lingering. You're slow. It's like a cow chewing his cud. Right, my wife, if you ever eat now, if you ever go out to eat with me, you know I eat fast. And that's, that's the sizzle. We had like five minutes to eat as a knob. She'd be like, get out of here, boom. So I eat fast. I mean, I'll go to a nice restaurant and I'm like, everyone's still just like eating their salad and I'm done. Right? But the idea here is you, you're lingering. You're chewing slowly. You're thinking about it. This is why memorization is important. In fact, I would encourage you, I would challenge some of you. You ought to memorize Psalm 1 this summer. That should be a goal. You can do it. It's only six verses. I mean, you know Jenny's number. You can memorize Psalm 1. It'd be worth your while because here's what happens. Here's the idea of meditation. It's not I just spend 24 hours a day reading. I, I memorize it so it's in my head. It's in my heart. And so I'm walking the dog this week, the dogs. And I'm thinking about, blessed is the man who doesn't walk. What does that mean? What am I doing? How am I walking? I'm thinking about it. I'm waking up in the morning. I'm thinking his delight is in the law of the Lord. I, these things come to mind and I'm able to think about it and chew on it. And what does that mean? And, and, and how does that apply? That's the idea of meditation. It's thinking about it. And here's the end game. The end game is not, I read my Bible so I'm happy. No, I read my Bible because in my Bible, I encounter the living God through the living word and I pursue him through his word. If you pursue happiness for the sake of happiness, you will never get it. But if you pursue him, happiness will just tag along because I'm walking with the one who at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. It's just the way it works. So the idea is he pursues his God through his word. That's where you're gonna experience him. You're gonna encounter him. He's gonna speak to you and you think about it. It's just why you can't fast eat like Bill Fowler. You gotta sit, and chew it, think about it, memorize it, right? My, one of my sons is a, is a rock star with Legos. He's got Lego sets in his room. I mean, like these, I'm not talking about like these three people. I'm like elaborate thousand piece sets, right? They cost like $3,000 a piece kind of thing, right? <laughs> cost more than the car, but these sets are thousands of pieces. And when he gets these, he'll dump, dump out the box and there'll be like 30 bags of Legos. And then like four or five different manuals of how to put this thing together. It takes days, right? Days to put these things together. Now you could just dump out all the pieces and just start going, oh, that fits. But I can tell you, you do it that way, you will never build the intention of what that, that model is. It will never look like it does on the front of the box. You can do what you want. Put pieces here, put pieces there. It'll never look like it does on the front of the box. The only way to get that is to open the manual and say, this is where it goes, this is where it goes, this is where it goes. And what the song is teaching is, you want happiness, great. That is a God-given desire. Then you gotta follow the manual. I'm not saying keep a bunch of rules. I'll make, walk with your God in light of his word. That's where happiness comes from. And I know that seems so counterintuitive for some of you. I know you're like, that sounds so simplistic and so ridiculous. And the reason why it does is because you're verse one and you've been listening to the advice of the world. And you gotta remember who's in charge of this world. And I'm not talking about sovereign. I'm talking whose domain is this? The prince of the power of the air. Right now, Paul tells us, you and I, we were dead in our trespasses. We were walking in them. We were following the course of this world. We were following the prince of the power of the air, aka Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He right now has freedom. It's limited, but he's got freedom. 
And since Genesis chapter three, he has been spreading his lie that God is not for you, he is against you, that God is is bad and that you are good and you need to do your own thing because he is keeping you from what is good. And it is a lie that some of you need to dig into this song and you need to believe it. You need to believe the song and not the lie. You need a new song, right? I think that you know, the, the New Testament equivalent of this, I, I can't help but think that the Apostle Paul, uh, when he wrote Romans 12, he was thinking of this Psalm, specifically verse two. Here's another verse that some of you should memorize. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. It's a word for metamorphosis. Be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind. How's that? His delight is in the law of the Lord. That by what? Testing it, by following it, by doing it, you will know what is good and acceptable and perfect, God's will. You'll see good, you'll see acceptable, you'll see perfect. If you allow this to transform you and not that. And and it's this process and it's slow, but I can tell you, and Emerson, he wasn't a Christian, but he gets it. As you think, so you are. He says this, so a thought, you reap an action. So an act, you reap a habit, so a habit, you reap a character. So a character, you reap a destiny. That's it. That's why Jesus says, seek first, what? Your career. Seek first a spouse, money, college degree, all good things. But he says, no, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Same thing, the psalmist is saying, same thing Paul says. It's amazing how the scripture aligns with itself because it is true, right? Happy is the one who denies, yet delights. And and, and here's my encouragement to you. If your time in the word has been slack, I get it, right? But but don't let your past influence your future. Start tomorrow. Hey, I'm gonna memorize Psalm 1. I'm gonna spend some time just thinking Reading, let God speak to me. Ask him, God, speak to me through your word. May your spirit illumine what I need to know. Think about it, write it down. If you say, I don't know where to start. Start in the Psalms. There's 150 of them. Do one a day, right? How many months is that? That's like a bunch of months, five months, right? Spend a day in each one. Some of them are quick, some of them are long. Read it, think about it. What does this mean for me? What does this teach me about God? What does it teach me about me? Write it down, think about it. Think, how do I apply this? What do I do? That's what we wanna be. People of the word, delighting in his word. So there's a denial, there's a delight, and then the last thing is this, and this is kind of the result. You gotta understand the destiny of those who do and those who don't. Look what he says in verse three, right? Destiny's last D. He, the one who walks the right path, is like a tree planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit and its season. Its leaf doesn't wither, and all he does, he prospers. He's like this tree that's planted by streams, not just one stream, by streams, multiple water sources, and if you've ever, have you ever been on, in, on like a whitewater rafting, you know, we're going on the river where there's this big river and there's just trees and there's just monster trees and it's just lush and green, it's beautiful. And these trees are thriving, why? Because they have a water source constantly. Flip side, you ever been to like West Texas or Arizona, right? Where the, the tallest tree is like this. It's like a shrub, right? Because it has no nourishment, barely any rain. That's the distinction. He said, the one who delights, who's following, who's obeying, who's pursuing God, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna flourish like a tree. It's gonna yield fruit in its season, which is what a tree is supposed to do, right? An apple tree is supposed to produce apples. 
If it doesn't produce apples, then there's a problem. Why is it producing apples in its season? Because it's nourished, right? And, and, and the point is this, it's giving. It's, it's giving of itself, right? We're supposed to be giving trees. You ever read that book, The Giving Tree? Your parents read it? It's the most depressing book ever. It's a miserable book. Daggum guy cuts the tree down, cuts everything off, steals its fruit, kills the tree. I mean, it's a horrible book. I don't even know why we read it to our kids. But the idea is true. The, you're supposed to be a giving tree, right? Where you bear fruit, you're a blessing. You have been, you're like Abraham. God blessed you so you can bless others, right? You're gonna bear fruit. Fruit is good. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that's good. Guess what? That results in happiness. You know what also results in happiness? When you see that you're able to, use, God is making you who you are, your individual gifts, and, every, and you're walking with him, and he, he's blessing you, and you're blessing others, that's happiness, right? But we're supposed to be not just intake, but there's an outtake. There's a, there's a flowing in, there's a nourishment, but there's also a flowing out. If you don't have a flowing out, you know what that brings? It's death. Right, there's two bodies of, of water, two major bodies of water in, in Israel. He's shown you the map before. You've seen it a million times. You get the Sea of Galilee in the north and you have the Dead Sea in the south. Right? And both are fed by the Jordan River. But the Sea of Galilee is flourishing and there's life and there's fish and there's trees and there are all sorts of you know, things living. The Dead Sea has nothing. It's dead. The only difference is the, the, the Sea of Galilee has an intake and an outtake. The Dead Sea has none. It just sits there right? There's no blessing. It's just death. God is blessed so that we bless. That's life. That's happiness. It's fruit. It says his leaf does not wither. Even when there's wind, even when there's dryness, even when there's storms of life, there's still nourishment. So there's, there's endurance. And look, life is not always going to be here. You're going to face storms. Cancer, that's a storm. Loss, Finances, sickness, anxiety. These are storms, common storms. How do, you, how do you persevere in them? You gotta have nourishment from the stream. When you do, there's still life. Doesn't mean the tree's not gonna bend, but there's endurance. And all that he does, he prospers. There'll be a measure of success. Doesn't mean you're gonna be successful in the world's eyes, but if you continue to pursue good, you will reap in good time, so Paul says. Don't grow weary of doing good. In good, in due time, you will reap, right? That's happiness, right? That's a destiny that I want. I want to bear fruit. I want to persevere. I want to prosper. But the flip side is this. This is where he lands. Kind of contrasts the two now. Which, which song are you gonna sing? Which song are you gonna listen to? The wicked are not so. The wicked, those who do not do this. They're like chaff. It's the complete opposite of a tree. Big tree, little piece of basically dust. When they winnow the wheat and that little piece that gets blown off that they don't even use, that's the chaff. It's driven away. It's gone. It's useless. It's dry. It's a husk. He says, this, and this is the most kind of scary indictment in the text. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You get to the end of your life, it doesn't matter how much money, how much career, how much fame, how much whatever. It's chaff, it's gone. And worse is, your eternity is separate from God, the one who at his right hand is pleasure. You spend eternity apart from the one who, who designed you to know him and enjoy him forever. That's, that's an indictment, right? 
Because Yahweh knows, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He guards the way is the idea. That he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ. But the wicked will perish. And the contrast to this psalm, it's very evident. The first and last word of the psalm couldn't be too opposite. First word of the psalm, blessed. Last word of the psalm, perish. And this is what wisdom literature does. It provides you two options. It really does, right? Two options. Just like that Robert Frost poem, many of you know it. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the road less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Two roads. Happiness, perish. You don't get to choose. You get to choose the road, but you don't get to choose the result. That's the idea. You want happiness, you gotta deny. And you gotta delight and see the destiny that God has. There's a, uh, a scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark, great movie, great 80s movie, um, where Harrison Ford, aka Indiana Jones, he's got that little staff piece, remember the little headpiece of Ra? If you haven't seen the movie, then shame on you, but um, he's got this little, staff, this little headpiece that he's supposed to put a stick on, and he puts it in the right spot at the right time, and the sun comes through and shows him where the Ark of the Covenant is, but see, the Nazis are after it too, and they have a counterfeit headpiece. One that they think is right, but it's not because the original has writing on both sides and it says you gotta go this tall with the stick, but then you turn it over and then you take it back some inches because then, you know, for whatever. And so uh, they, they got to the map room first and they, they're digging and, and Indiana Jones and his buddy, after they realize that, that they have the original and they have the false, they're like, they're digging in the wrong place. And they're like, oh, they're digging in the wrong place. But the reality is that some of you, you're following a counterfeit and you're digging in the wrong place. And you think you're going to find something and you're not. And so I would just say to you, will you, will you consider the words of Jesus today? Would you consider, you say, I'm tired, I'm so tired. You want some rest? Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You got to come to him though. He says, I want to have, I just want a happy life. I want this. He says, I have come to give life. Give life abundantly. And see, it's one thing to say those things. Jesus, Jesus proved it. Not only did he live a life of joy, but then he died for you in your place, for your sins, so that you could have life. The only way you can have life is because he died on a cross for our sins and rose again. This is ultimately what the law of the Lord is. Because remember, they couldn't keep the law. There's like 613 rules that they couldn't keep. So they always had to keep going back and making sacrifices and sacrifices and sacrifices because they couldn't keep the law. And Jesus says, I know you can't. That's why I am going to make atonement for all your sins forever, past, present, and future. And so we can delight in that, the gospel. But you gotta come to him. And I would say some of you are kind of pursuing and pursuing and you're miserable in this. Would you just try? Why don't you just try to follow Christ? Just give him a chance and see, see what will happen if you trust in him, if you trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins and then trust your life to him. See, it can't hurt, especially if you're miserable. It can't hurt. And you'll find an everlasting God who loves you and who wants you to delight in him. But you gotta deny and delay. Let me pray and we'll respond through some singing. Um, Father, I pray... Um, 
for our people. Yeah, we're, we're just bombarded, Lord, with what's supposed to be truth constantly. Uh, but it's amazing when we know your word, we can identify that which is true and that which is false. So I just pray that we will be a people. Maybe we're on a road, maybe we're on a path, maybe we're sitting in a seat that we shouldn't be in, that, that there would be some U-turns today, that we would turn from that, we get back on your path, that we would delight in you, that we would hear from you, that you would speak to us. And you, you promise, if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And I know some people feel like they can't do that. They're just not good enough, they're not worthy. And that's the point, that's right, we're not. But you invite us anyway, because what Christ has done. So I just pray. Invite people to yourself, Lord. Let them find joy in you. Let them find happiness in you. Not easiness, but contentment and joy. Because at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You guys can stand as we sing.